Has it been a long week for anybody? People who have kids at home are going, oh, it's been a long week, you know. We're, we're looking forward to tomorrow, but because the thing about spring break is, and things that kids don't understand, is that just because they don't have anything to do, doesn't mean you don't have anything to do. And so, you know, there is a lot more to do on that week that, that have to happen. Preparations that have to be made. You know, there were visits that had to be made, a sermon that was supposed to be prepared, uh, meetings that had to be kept. We had our 20th anniversary midweek that we went out and celebrated. We tried to do some spring break activities. There were so many things to do with just a little bit of time every day. Every day only has 24 hours, in case you didn't know. We try to put more into them sometimes, but there's just not any way to put any more time into every day. And it's easy when our lives are as busy as they are to get caught up in everything we're doing and lose sight of what God wants. Uh, we find that same thing happening this morning in our scripture. It's a very familiar passage we're going to be in, found over in the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter. Um, here in this passage, we find two sisters who live together. Um, they're sisters who become familiar to our readers uh, because they show up at other times. But in Luke 10... Jesus has come to their house to eat, and he's here reclining at the table just talking. What would you do if Jesus came to your house? What would you really do if Jesus came to your house? You know, let's be honest, you know. How many of us have had company in the past few weeks? They weren't Jesus. But what did we do when that company came? We went through the house, and we made sure everything was clean from top to bottom. We made sure everything was put away, even if it was stuffed in the closet so nobody could see it. We made sure things at least looked presentable. That's, that's what we do when company comes. And so these people in this story, there are two people. Stop this morning and ask yourself as we read through, which of these people do you really identify with in this moment? Because here in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, we find some clarification of how to follow Jesus in a hectic life. There in Luke 10, starting in verse 38, it says, And while they were traveling, he entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. That's great. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people say. You know, as I, I read this story, I know that we all have a tendency to, to feel like it's individual at times. But we cannot let the responsibilities and distractions of life become the most important thing. Remember the Brady Bunch, Martian, Martian. I keep thinking, Martha, Martha, Martha. You know, there it is. Martha, Jesus is in your living room. He is there, talking, teaching, hanging out, sharing a meal. He's doing all of these things, but you're worried about all of these things. I mean, can you picture this scene? Oh, man, Jesus is here. And I know we all identify with that because we do it with our own company. He's here. 
Man, I can't believe he's here. Did everything get put up where it needs to be? Oh, i got to get the appetizers ready. Uh, not just the chunks of cheese on toothpicks, the sausage and the cheese. It's Jesus. we got to make sure it's good. Do I have enough tea made? Oh, I didn't make it this morning. I know he likes that tea. I better make sure that, but I need to get that casserole in the oven now. I can't do all this alone. I can't do it. Where is she? Where? There she is. Mary. Mary. Why she ignore me? Doesn't she know how important this is? Doesn't she realize how much there is to be done? But yes, there's a table's filthy. Oh, I've got to clean it. Oh, the casserole. If I don't get it in, it'll never be done. The tea. I don't think I had any tea. I've got to run to the store, but I can't walk out on Jesus. Mary, get over here, Mary. Why isn't she answering? Oh, I wish I could make her clean or help me cook or something. There's so much to do, so much to worry about. I can't sit down right now. You ever feel like Martha? We not, might not be that loud, but that's going on in our heads sometimes, right? Because we do it. I watch us do it back here sometimes. Is there going to be enough food? I don't know if there's going to be enough food. What's going to happen? Oh my gosh, there's 60 people coming. Are we going to have enough back here? And it's going on in those minds all the time. Y'all watch it to look at it. And I'm going, there'll be plenty. I've never seen us not have plenty. There'll be plenty. But it goes on in our minds. And these things happen. There are so many things going on sometimes that we simply don't have time to sit down. Right? Work, school, family time, bills, meals, Taxes, volunteering, church, responsibilities at church. I had to help with the meal. I had to clean the kitchen. I had to play the fundraiser. I had to prepare for a class. I had to teach a class. I had to get dressed. I had to get out of the church. I got to smile. I got to make conversation. Get the idea. How often are we marveled? How often are we so stressed out that we can't seem to stop long enough to just think? We find ourselves distracted. By what all we have to do, that we never find the time to simply stop. We don't take the time to just let things be. We let the distractions and responsibilities and wants get in the way of the need to just be. We find ourselves running from here to there, trying to make everything perfect. We struggle and we try and we get things done. We make things look perfect or feel perfect. We make sure everything's in its place. We do everything that's needed. But it all seems to be busyness. Because you know, if the busyness of life becomes most important to us, we may become bitter. Martha gets so frustrated, she walks into Jesus and questions him. Jesus! You see what's going on here, right? I'm doing all the work. And she's sitting here. Tell her to get up and help me. So she said to Jesus. Just tell her to get up and give me a hand. I think Martha's that way though. Um, when we read scripture, that seems to be a pattern that Martha has, right? Because, you know, later on when her brother dies and Jesus finally comes, she comes to him and she says, Where have you been? That's Martha's way. Are any of you Martha this morning? We look at Jesus and we say, Hey, Jesus, you promised this was going to happen. I don't see it happening how I want it to happen. I've got things i got to get done. we got to get this done. Here she's fed up. She's tired. She doesn't like the fact that she's the only one working, the only one doing anything for this visit. She gets so upset that she becomes bitter. And she forgets why she's doing this job in the first place. And she orders Jesus to tell Mary to help. 
How many times do we find ourselves doing that? We feel like we're the only ones doing any work. Why am I always the one who has to blank? You fill in the blank. Why doesn't anyone else help me? This is church. We should all be pitching in, but it's just me and I'm sick of it. Somebody needs to do something about this. We need to make sure everyone's doing their job. That's the only way it's fair. That's what we need to do. When we get to the point that our bitterness begins to rob us of our joy, we start finding that our responsibilities and distractions have become our focus rather than that which we begin responsibilities for in the first place. And we begin lashing out. We begin looking for vindication. We want things to be fair. I think we've all been there, right? It needs to be fair. Why do I have to do this and nobody else does? Why is this my responsibility and nobody else's? We find ourselves struggling with these things. And then there's the other part of the story. Can you imagine this scene from Mary's point of view? We learn from Mary that we have to spend time sitting at the feet of Jesus. Because there Mary is sitting looking up at Jesus. Man, I can't believe he's here again. I can't believe he's in my house. I can't believe I had the chance to listen to him again. Can you imagine what it was like to hear Jesus speak? We had this great sound system. He didn't. Yet he spoke to crowds of upwards of 10,000 people and they all heard it. I imagine everything he said seemed important. Every word from his mouth was probably like honey. He probably could have even told the one about the man who went to the Holy Land with his obnoxious, nagging wife. I've heard it, right? While they were there, she died. And the funeral home director said, well, we can cremate her and send her remains home for $7,000. Or we can just bury her here in the Holy Land for $150. And her husband said, cremate her and send her home. The director was shocked. And he said, why would you do that? He said, you see, sir, a few years back, a man died and was buried here, but three days later, he came back to life. I can't take that chance. I bet even that would have sounded important coming from the mouth of Jesus. Because there she is, listening. We don't know what he was saying. We don't know what the subject matter was. We don't know if it was deep theology or general chit-chat. We don't know what it was that was going on in that conversation. But it didn't matter to Mary. She was at his feet, absorbing every word, hearing everything he had to say, seeing every move that he made. She was enthralled by his very presence. And then in the doorway behind him, she sees Martha. No. She keeps on this. Man, I hope I didn't miss anything because of her. Everything he says is so important. Mary. Mary. Oh. And then she comes into the room. I can't believe she's talking to him like that. He's going to make me get up. Can you imagine that? Who do you think was more shocked when, when, when Jesus responds to Mark? Mary or Mark? In that culture... There was a certain practice, and that was the women made sure things were taken care of. 
In Mary's mind, I assure you, she was probably panicked in that moment. Because she wanted to hear everything Jesus had to say. And Martha said to him, tell her to get up and help me. And the proper response from any good Jewish man would have been, get up and help your sister serve. That would have been the response. I assure you, Mary was sitting there going, oh, he's going to make me get up. I don't want to miss that. He's going to make me get up. I can't believe I'm this close. I'm getting to experience this. And then Jesus says that Mary is choosing the better thing. And Martha is worrying too much. Time with Jesus is always the better thing. Always. When I was talking to the kids just then, that's, that's where we're headed. Time with Jesus is always the better thing. I can, I can get up in the morning and I can choose to spend time with Jesus and I can choose to start my day. And you never know what your day is going to hold when you start your day because you never know if you're going to walk outside to a flat tire, if you're going to walk outside to it being 90 degrees or 30 degrees. You don't know what your day is going to look like. You don't know what's going to happen. But if we start our day with Jesus, we find things. To focus on Jesus is the better thing. Preparations and work should focus on Him. Responsibility and commitment should focus on Him. But most of all, our worship should focus on Him. There are a lot of things that we can get caught up in in our lives in our church. A lot of things that we can, we can start worrying about that we don't need to worry about. A lot of things that begin to weigh upon us. But the truth is, we have to forget... Not forget to choose that which is better, to focus on Jesus. In the realm of worship, that's all that matters. We can have a projector or not. That isn't the focus. We can sing hymns or older songs or praise courses or praise songs. It doesn't matter. It isn't the focus. We can have pews or chairs or beds or stand. It isn't the focus. We can have heat or AC or neither. It's not the focus. We can sit silently, we can clap, we can stomp, we can say, dare I dance. It isn't the focus. We can be here, at my house, at Pakistan, the school playground, City Hall, or in the heart of New Orleans, and it's not the focus. Our church buildings can burn down with everything in it, and we can still have church because this building isn't the focus. All these things have their place. They all help us worship and praise God, but they're not the focus. They should be pointing us, pointing us toward the focus. There's only one focus in worship. One person who was, who is, who ever will be worthy of our worship. And that's Jesus Christ. The maker of the heavens. The breath of all creation. The one who walked on water and calmed the seas. The one who performed miracles and wonders. The fountain of living water. The Lord of Lord, King of Kings, Holy Lamb. Jesus is the focus. That's the point. That's what we're called to be, who we're called to, to focus on, to worship. And there are two things or levels we have to remember this morning about that. First, Jesus should be the focus in our church. Not programs, not music, or anything else. It doesn't matter what we add to or take away from our worship services, as long as we don't take Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The rest are just things. To focus on them makes them distractions just like Martha was concerned about in Luke 10. But for us as individuals, we can't lose focus on Jesus in our personal lives. I know the temptation. 
to live up to the expectations we think everyone has of us. We're somebody different to everybody. And we assume certain expectations from different groups. We just do. And we begin to worry about those expectations. What do they think? What do they do? I'm, I'm not just talking to, to y'all. Ask Carrie. I'm the world's worst at this. There are expectations. And you would be surprised at how how different nuances come across in my, in my ear as someone walks by. We don't like change in general as humans, right? And this is one of the things that I know I struggle with, that you may struggle with, not on this same topic, but you know. if when you walk out the door every day, Every day you say to me, that was a great sermon, Brother Troy. The one day you just walk out and say, have a good day, I'm wondering what's wrong. I'm wondering how you were offended. I'm wondering what it was that stepped on your toes. Because we are creatures of habit. And, and I can almost tell you what each one of you are going to say as you walk out that door. And when you vary from it, my ear picks up on it. And so I go home and I go to Carrie, you know, so-and-so might have been mad today. What? She's looking at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, well, they just said have a good day. She's like, you're out of your mind. But it's the way our minds work. We get weighed down with the expectations, right? We do it when company comes to our house. We do it when company comes to our church. We find ourselves weighed down with the expectations of what people think we need to be. We want to make sure that every program in our church goes exactly how we think it should. Maybe it's not how we think it should go. Maybe it's how God wants it to go that we need to worry about. <laughs> to take on many more, we take on many more distractions for the sake of, of ministry, for the sake of relationship, and we become a martyr. <laughs> we find ourselves running around putting out little fires that don't need to be put out. Something that Offend somebody. Oh well. Um, something that I have learned in my life is that in nature, sometimes a little fire is needed because it cleanses the underbrush and allows new growth to come. Sometimes the fire needs to burn so that God can work in a way that He wants to work. And if we're always trying to put it out, maybe God's not working because we're not letting the fire burn. We're not letting the refiner refine. We're not letting him work. If God has offended you, and I come to you and say, man, I, I, I didn't mean to say that in that way. I didn't mean to offend you. All of a sudden, it takes that offense off of you. And maybe God wants you to be offended in that moment. Sometimes God works that way. Because sometimes we have to be offended in order, in order to, to really wrestle with it. Some of the biggest arguments Carrie and I have had in 20 years of marriage have been about theological things. They're not on the little things. They're theological things. Because I'll say something and she'll go, No! Yeah. No! Yeah. So go, go read your Bible and come back. And she'll go, 
one of the first things. And, no. I can make a case. Okay. I'm not saying gambling's good. I can make a case that you shouldn't gamble if you're being a good steward. But when we first got married, I mean year one, our biggest fight was Carrie swore to me that somewhere in the Holy Scriptures the words existed, Thou shalt not gamble! And I said, no, they don't. They don't. You know, you can get there through God's Word and what God wants you to do, but that's not in the Bible. And she swore it was for months. And I'm like, well, where is it? Well, it's probably in Proverbs. Well, then read Proverbs. And it wasn't there. Well, it's probably, and she, I don't know, she finally, after four months, she said, well, how do you know? And I said, come here. And I went to BibleGamble.com, and I said, just type the word gamble in there, and it doesn't come up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just because, just because of those things. Because she was offended. And she needed that offense to realize that sometimes what we believe we believe because somebody told us, not because the Spirit told us. Again, I didn't say gambling was right. I said that it didn't say that in the Bible. We don't, we don't want to tell people the Bible says things it doesn't say. Sometimes we become like Martha, but to focus on Jesus like Mary, that's the better thing. To spend time sitting at his feet. And soaking everything he says and does to bring him the sacrifice of praise, to sit there at his feet in pure joy, to simply be with Jesus. How often do we do that? I'm not, I'm not talking about we get up and we make sure we have our 15 minutes where we read the Bible. I'm talking about how often do we just stop and sit and soak in what Jesus wants us to soak? To sit in the silence. Hmm. Another sermon, so I won't go there. But in Matthew 22, 37, Jesus answers a question about the greatest commandment. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. <clears throat> that sounds like the better thing to me. So, what's your focus this morning? Are you Martha? Worried about the things that, that need to be done or focus on the changes that are happening? Or are you married and in the feet of Jesus doing that which is Jesus gives a promise in this passage. He says, it will not be taken away from her. The time we spent with Jesus will never be taken away from us. I've talked with some of you before about the fact that for my age, I've done, I've done a lot of funerals. I've walked with a lot of people in their, in their last months, their last moments. And I've never, I've never personally experienced or heard of anyone who got to the end of their life and thought, I wish I would have spent more time cleaning. I wish I would have spent more time working. I don't think anyone ever gets to the end of their life and says, I wish I would have spent less time with Jesus. It's never wasted time. It's never, it's, it's never wasted. It's funny that Luke here doesn't tell us the end of the story. Luke does that a lot. He doesn't tell us what happens. Martha comes in, madder in the wet hen. Jesus, tell her to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, you're worried about a lot of stuff. But Mary, she's chosen one which is better. Now she could, in that moment, choose 
to keep on worrying, or she could choose to stop and choose that which is better. We don't know which one she chose. We don't know where we're at. The story was left open. I think that's because the story is still left open for you too. What do you choose? Will you choose distraction and worry? Or will you choose that which is better? There's a lot to worry about in this life that we let us. what the weather's going to be like. I can't control what my friends and family are going to do. I can't control what the stock market's going to look like. I can't control any of this. It's not within my power. But yet we still worry about it. We worry about what was, you know, I log into my retirement account and I look at that little percentage. Last year, my percentage of growth was negative 15%. I can't control anything about that. I can't change it. But I looked at it every week. Why? This morning, are, are you letting the distractions of life get in the way of focusing on Jesus? It's easy to do. It's easy to to let your responsibilities and your, your worries and your concerns, it's easy to let those things keep you from just spending time with Jesus. Maybe this morning you're ready to, to, to quit being a Martha and start being a Mary. Maybe you're, you're ready to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to do what you call me to do. Because I've been spending so much time on this other stuff, and all it does is give me heartburn, right? Now it's time for me to say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to focus on you because I know, I know you're going to take care of me. I know you're going to get it done. Because the promise is, the time you spend with him will never be taken away from you. Distractions and all of our stress, all of those things will one day fall away. And they're not going to amount to anything. The time we spend with Jesus will change everything. Maybe this morning you want to pray, the altar's open, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning you want to, for the first time, accept Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you were ready now to say, Jesus, I want to know you because I never have. Now's the time. Just walk down to the trail. I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.